my name's Lorinda. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So one of, my, one of the things I really love about like seasonal events is that it gives you an actual excuse to you know, share well wishes with people you don't know or people you know really well. So like I'm in the store or anywhere, it gives me a reason to say something kind to someone else. I really like the opportunity to say like, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. My personal favorite, happy birthday. Just had a birthday last Saturday. Thank you very much for all the cards and posts on my Facebook page. Thank you very much. Uh, so the thing about it is I genuinely mean it when I say these things. Like I, I sincerely, when I say Merry Christmas to someone, like I legit, like I, I want you to have a Merry Christmas. When I say Happy New Year, like I, or I say Happy Birthday, I, I really do mean that. And I choose to believe that when people say it to me, they mean it too. Like when someone says to me, I hope you have a happy birthday, I'm like, thank you. I think you mean that. And uh, it's been very rare. In fact, I don't think I've ever had anyone say these words to me like in an angry kind of way, you know, like, oh, have a happy, stupid birthday. <laughs> or, you know, I hope you enjoy Thanksgiving with your family. Like, what? No, these things are, you know, like meant to be genuine and meant to be sincere. Um, I was really looking forward to coming here this morning and like first Sunday of the year, first Sunday of the decade, and like genuinely and sincerely saying to a sea of faces that people that I know and care about, hey, genuinely, sincerely, happy new year. I have this habit every morning of waking up and reaching over to the table beside my bed and picking up my phone and seeing if I missed any urgent texts during the night. It took on a whole new meaning this week for me when our daughter and son-in-law were driving in a car with dogs all the way from San Antonio, Texas to Norfolk, Virginia. I didn't want to miss a text, right? So I'd wake up in the morning, the first thing I will do, reach over there, grab that phone, look to see if anyone's texted me. And several days this week, I picked up my phone. I hadn't missed any texts, but my phone let me know the news. Like this was, this is what has just happened. There were a couple of times this week where I picked up my phone and decisions were made that were beyond my control, but have the power to have a huge impact on my life and on the lives of people I love and on all people. I've never seen such, you know, diverse reactions to some of the news that was on my phone this week. Like on social media, people who like 100% agree with decisions that are made and people who think it's the worst thing that possibly ever could have happened. And then I, I read and I find out that, you know, things are being reported about the denomination that I love where words like proposal are being changed to words like decision which changes everything, right? It isn't really representing it accurately. And so I was like, am I gonna be able to go on the first Sunday of the year, on the first Sunday of the decade and stand up in front of everyone and genuinely, sincerely say, Happy New Year? Because I really can't, it's just not in me to be like, Happy New Year, except for everything incredibly terrifying that's taking place right now, right? <laughs> Have a Happy New Year, could be our last. I mean, I just, you know, I don't want to be like that, right? Just don't say it at all if that's where you're going to go with it. Um, 
And so, I think about information and what we choose to do with it when we receive it. I've been thinking about this a lot, especially in light of who and what we're going to talk about this morning. That's been planned for a long time, what we were going to talk about today. How it's fascinating it is to me how differently people respond to information, right? I think there's some spoken and even unspoken, like expectation that when people receive information, they'll do something about it. And I'm fascinated, like I have four children and it was unbelievable how you could share the exact same information and have four different responses to the same information, right? And I can tell you, I know those kids so well, even to this day, which one's gonna respond to the information and which one's gonna do absolutely nothing about it. That's fascinating to me. How do we respond to the information that we're given? Information holds power if we allow it to. It holds power to actually change our behavior and change the way we choose to live our lives. There was a report in a Stanford um, Social um, Innovation Review in 2018, and they were talking about this very thing. Does, like, information actually change the way that people um, behave? It says that it's flawed. The notion that changes in knowledge automatically produce changes in behavior, that that's a flawed theory. It's the assumption, they say, is, of course, um, too neat or simplistic considering the irrational and messy way in which most people really make decisions about how to behave. I thought about that a lot. Not surprising then that simply sharing information, it may be a part of the equation, but is clearly not the entire answer to affecting real widespread change in attitudes and especially in behaviors. I think it's safe to say that if we're very driven, not just by information that we have, but what we believe, what we believe, and what we believe about that information, and what, what does our heart treasure, what, what is it that's like so important to us, impacts how we receive information and what we do with that information. How do your beliefs inform, right, you and the way that you choose to live? Sometimes information means that we move forward and sometimes it means that we do not. Today, on this Epiphany Sunday, uh, we're gonna read a scripture in Matthew chapter two, verses one through 12. We're gonna read the story of the wise men or the magi who made this journey. Like they had information um, and so they acted on that information and they, and they set out on a journey, right? And so we're gonna read about that and I invite you as we're reading this to, t to pay particular Notice to how the information kind of continually changes uh, the information that they have and how they respond to it. If you have your Bibles with you, Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12, don't have your Bibles, words will be on the screen, but I invite you now to hear and receive into your heart the word of God. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews. So say they have that information. They know that Jesus has been born. And so that information has, has led them to do something. It's led them to go out on this journey to seek him. The information led them to want to seek Jesus. So where is he? We observed his star at, at its rising and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. So his reaction to the information is fear and a need for control. 
So he calls together all the chief priests and scribes of the people and inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard, when they had heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You see how the information changes and it changes what they decide to do. Even at the very end, when they're shown in a dream what Herod's intentions really are, they don't go back that way. They go another way. Information. What do we do with information? Let's talk for just a second about <clears throat> excuse me, who these people are. These are they're called wise men or they're called the magi that existed for hundreds of years. They were like the uh, professors and the philosophers of their day. They were brilliant, highly educated people, trained in medicine and history and religion, uh, prophecy, astronomy, and astrology. And so they're studying the stars. Uh, these are people who had um, a great influence um, in their day and time. So they weren't ever kings themselves, but you could say they were king makers. That's one of the things that you could say about these folks. And so their focus is not simply on, they were holders of information, right? They were people who had a lot of information, a lot of stuff going on in there, right? But they didn't just have information for information's sake. They allowed that information to lead them, to guide them. It was the information that, that, that led them on this journey to seek Jesus, to follow that star, even if it meant threat to them, even if it was dangerous to have faith and to follow that star. And it wasn't just about the information. Please hear this. It wasn't just about the information. It was about what the information meant for them and what they believed about that information. It wasn't even just about the star. It was about where that star led them and who that star led them to that guided them, helped them change um, and, and guided their behavior. They wanted to go and worship the king. They were filled with joy, overwhelmed with joy when they found the child. There's something about an experience with Jesus Christ that truly leaves every single one of us changed if we allow it to have that kind of power in our lives. Changed so that our lives are changed and our behaviors are changed. What was important or prioritized before now kind of pales in comparison to this experience with a living God, with Jesus Christ. So this is very true for the wise men. <clears throat> very true for them. They knew the uncertainty of their time and day. I mean, Herod was known to be a paranoid, psychotic leader. 
And so they knew that he was a danger. They knew there was uncertainty in their day and time, but they remained faithful to the journey that they were called to, to seek Jesus and never take their eyes off of that journey, off of that mission to seek Jesus. It's true for the wise men to be so true for us today that no matter what we might be hearing every time that phone dings or every time you pick up that phone or turn on that news or now at our house after Christmas, if Alexa tells you what's going on in your world, you know to keep your focus on the mission that God has for you to seek Jesus in all that you do, committed to that journey, taking information, knowing who we are seeking and where he will lead us. Every Sunday at 1115, there's a worship service called Believer's Garden that takes place. Most of you know about it. It's just down the hall from us. It's a service that's especially designed for adults with special needs. It's for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are differently abled. And so um, every Sunday, um, there's a worship service there. And this Sunday, Believer's Garden is going to be just a little bit different than it is other Sundays. One of their worshipers, Brian Cooney. Brian died last, Saturday, last Sunday of complications from the flu. He was 25 years old. He came to Believer's Garden every Sunday. The service is a little different today because they're going to learn about Jesus like they do every Sunday. They're going to be told and reminded how much they are loved by Jesus, just like they are every Sunday. But this Sunday, they're also going to remember and celebrate Brian's life. I want to tell you just a few things about Brian. Brian was his whole life nonverbal, unable to speak. And his mother told me that the only time in his 25 years of life that she or anyone else ever heard or witnessed Brian attempting to be verbal, attempting to communicate, was in Believer's Garden. When the worship leader there, Brian Roche, told all of our brothers and sisters in Believer's Garden, worship with all of your heart. Brian tried with all of his. And so there were sounds that came from him that you and I wouldn't know. We wouldn't know what those sounds meant, but they were worship. That's what those sounds were. In 25 years, the only time he tried to communicate was when he tried to worship. Every Sunday morning, when his mom would get him dressed, he wanted to come here. He wanted to be here. He couldn't wait to leave so that he could come to Believer's Garden. So he knew that part of his journey, part of his seeking Jesus in his life, was to be a part of worship, to be in a place where the songs would be sung and the prayers would be prayed and the scriptures would be read. And taught. And that everyone would hear. He wanted to be there. His mother told me. Last Sunday afternoon. When I was in his hospital room with her. She said Brian. Always followed the star. What are you seeking? And who are you seeking? Where are you allowing the information 
of God's grace for you? Where are you allowing it to lead you? How is it changing what you believe? How is it changing you and how you behave and how you choose to live and how you choose to treat one another? I want to tell you something. There are some things that will not change and there are some things that will remain the same. We are struck here in the beginning of this new year with an awareness that all of us face the same decision as the wise men and Brian. Who will we follow? Where will our eyes be focused? Will it be Jesus Christ? Will we take upon this journey to seek him with everything we are, with tr to try with all of our hearts to in everything worship him and pay him homage and honor? This United Methodist Church will continue to follow the star. We will continue to be led by and toward Jesus. University United Methodist Church will continue to be intentional in its ministry and its mission to this community, to the state, this country, and this world. We will continue to pursue Jesus by loving one another even when we don't agree with each other. We will continue to respond to the information that we have about Jesus by allowing our behavior to include blessing the children in our midst, blessing the children in the schools around us who are going hungry by feeding them, blessing the children in our area who are found in foster care by providing them homes to be in and love to be given to them. We will continue to meet the needs of people who are differently abled from us. We will continue to love and to minister those who are in recovery or seemingly trapped in addiction all the ways that God has charged us and called us to be agents of change in this world, we will not be negatively impacted by fear or lack of focus. We will not turn our eyes from Jesus. We are here for just such a time as this. We will pray more than we post and we will reflect more than we react. And we will continue to be who God has called us to be. This morning you're going to celebrate in communion. Reed's going to lead you in that. I'm going to make my way to Believer's Garden to lead them in communion. Then I'm going to tell you it may be a strange little world that we're living in, but that isn't new. It's always been a strange little world. It was strange for the wise men. We might tell ourselves that things are completely different now, how uncertain that we feel. But some things don't change and never will change. Wise men and women will still set their focus and their thoughts and their lives on Jesus and not turn their eyes away. That will never change. Those who seek Jesus will find Jesus. That will never change. We will continue to be faithful to the God who has continued to be faithful to us. That will never change. We will continue to always be on the journey of seeking Jesus. In a world where Brian might not have been considered to be a wise man, his wisdom came in always seeking Jesus. We won't always make the best decisions, but we will make them in the wisdom of seeking Jesus. And on that happy note, I can genuinely and sincerely say to every one of you, Happy New Year. Amen.